prosecution outlined how accounting practices fuck? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'll be in a museum. You fucking fodder for cartoonists now? still alive for now uh i'm your co-host jb Rowe, along with uh my other co-host cam del rosario what's up y'all happy new year to everybody Woo! in the gutter boy studio we have two very special guests yewan kwan and ben Greco, <laughs> uh joining us in for this episode how are you all doing i'm okay <laughs> and as you can tell they're really excited to be with us tonight uh, both of you, uh, reside in Chicago along with, uh, I guess me. Yeah. And yeah. So talk a little bit about yourselves, kind of introduce yourselves to the listeners if they're not familiar with, uh, your work. You go first. No, you go ahead. You go first. No, you go ahead. <sighs> My name's Yuan. I am an Aries. Um, I don't really know what that means, but one time someone assumed that they, <laughs> I was an Aries and they were right and I got really mad at them. Um... I moved to Chicago in 2013 to go to SAC, and I graduated in 2017. Uh, I work in mostly printmaking. I do screen printing and risograph printing, and I like to watch wrestling. And I met JB at Cake, what felt like 500 <laughs> years ago. And I met Cam, Cam at Cake, My bones. what feels like 400 years ago. And yeah. My bones, <laughs> they hurt. Yeah. Um, ben and I are in love and also make work together sometimes, I guess. Yes, I am. I am Ben. I my Instagram handle is at World's Biggest Minecraft Sabaro. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> I wish it were. <laughs> we can do the plugs later. Okay. We can do the plugs later. <laughs> um, I am an Aquarius. I am in Illinois. I'm a corn boy, and I started making comics two years ago. Does Does that mean you really like the band Corn? <laughs> Absolutely. Ah. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm I'm not a new metal apologist. I need to make that clear. My background's <laughs> actually in playing in grindcore and hardcore bands, and there's a lot of new metal apologism that goes on, and I can't yeah, endorse it's it. it's disgusting. It's absolutely it's disgusting. Dylan disgusting. was... That scene needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, Dylan was telling me that, like, new metal is, like, kind of, like, people are saying it's cool now or something yeah, like, yeah. in hardcore. I think, like, just in general, like, I feel like a lot of, like, pop people, like, Grimes and, like, Poppy also use, like, new metal and stuff in their music, too. Oh yeah, dude, Poppy is wild. Yeah. Um, it's the same way that folk punks love ska and it's fucking <laughs> gross. I mean, folk punk also sucks, but still, it's fucking gross. Planet X Records. Uh, 
anyway uh so yeah thanks so much for joining us i know we've been trying to get you on the show for well both of you guys on the show for for some time but uh finally worked out in the new year so we're here now yeah thanks for having us uh, yeah, of course. I figure we can start off the show with what we're doing now into, into 2020, new year, new us, uh, new year's resolutions. We're making it happen. We're doing the damn thing. Cam, did you have any comics related new year's resolutions that you were hoping to follow up with or no. just completely drop and forget later down yeah, the road? Yeah, I don't really do new year's resolutions. Like I, just because I feel like it puts a label on things. So it's like, I don't want to be <laughs> held accountable for it. Um, but no, I mean like there's stuff that I plan on accomplishing this year. Um, but you know, it's, it's nothing like out of the ordinary, not to sound like a dick, but it's just kind of same shit, different year, you know? But no, 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 no New Year's resolutions. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get better or I'm going to do this or anything because I've pretty much topped out. So <laughs> uh, what about uh, you, Yewon? Uh I do. I feel like I'm on the I respect Cam, but I'm on like the opposite spectrum of Cam. Where, like You don't have to respect Cam. No <laughs> one does. It's fine. No, that's good. You should be on the opposite spectrum of me. <laughs> no, no. For me, I like I have to have a list of things because if I don't, I just like forget about it and just don't do it. And then like a week later, I'm like or a year later, in many cases, I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't do that. Uh, so I've been working on a comic about snakes and reptiles for what feels like a year and a half now. And I'm finally like, I'm just going to fucking finish it this year. Um, I'd like to do two new pallor pinks, which is a collective series. I run, I guess. Um, one -hmm. of them is going to be LGBT themed. And then the other one is probably going to be like dungeon themed. Um, yeah, you guys should submit. (laughs) Weren't you, uh, wasn't there i feel like maybe it was you maybe it was ben talking about that but everybody submits under like a a name like a character name or something like that that was for something else what was that okay okay that was for a zine that never happened (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah and uh cam and i were on uh i believe the last pallor pink yeah yeah y'all both did really really great comics i feel like everyone did a really good job i feel like the two of you did a really good job of like utilizing the like color differences the rizzo can get you know just like the scale of different colors yeah i think that was from just trial and error because this was the this was the second i think pallor pink that i did and also (laughs) when i initially did that first one i really didn't have a full grasp on on rizzo Mm-hmm. And so I think just from having a better understanding of it and working with it more, I was, you know, able to fill in those gaps a bit better. For sure. Yeah, I didn't have any understanding of it. I was just reading your uh, template email. Well, yeah, that was and super just winging it. So, yeah, it was super Thanks. helpful. Um, so because I didn't want to annoy anybody with questions, but uh, <laughs> uh, not to even throw them under the bus or anything. Cam, but Cam uh, texted what, me, which is like, I don't want to ask some questions. How do you do this? No. Yeah. <laughs> I literally said you could ask me anything to work. Cam does not care. Yeah, but you know, I, I didn't want to. You know, I figured other people would be bothering you. I got asked by somebody else that contributed, um, and they were like, "Hey, do you understand how to color this?" And I was like, "Oh my no, god, no!" But I'm gonna read this email, and I was, <laughs> and they asked me like, you know, for advice and i was literally just kind of regurgitating information from the email <laughs> and uh yeah i know they ended up getting printed in the books so I, I guess that worked me just saying what you said in the email That's <laughs> but amazing. i still don't know shit about coloring 
We got to figure it out though, because I want to reso print some stuff this year. That's something that I'm going to do this year. Oh um, yeah. So Ben, what, what about you? Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? Did you have any other resolutions, Awan? I, I mean, I do, but they're not comics. Related. Oh, is this comics or just comics? Related? Yeah, we're just doing the comic stuff for now. Oh, absolutely not. Well, okay, cool. <laughs> as much as as much comics as you can. Sometimes we get into yes. some dumb well, actually, bullshit. That's, but I, we should probably touch on that a bit more too. Ben, your background is more in design, right? No. <laughs> okay. No, my background my background's actually always been I made some photo zines in high school and then I kind of stepped away from it to my degrees in mathematics, which is odd, but um I played in bands more so, so it was a lot more audio. I had some design credentials from designing record covers and tape covers yeah, for a see, while. Okay, but... yeah, oh big funny joke. <laughs> I was I was sorta right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um my background's different than yours. Uh for comics I'd like to make more of them this year than I did last year. What about your Prince comic? Oh yeah. Um we did a reading series for uh Book Fort at the Pitchfork Music Festival this last year. Yes. Um and I made a short comic for that that I printed for short run and Chicago Art Book Fair, and I'd like to finish that, but that's like a long-term project. I should probably get started on that if I'm going to finish in 2020. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Okay. All right. I see y'all. Okay. Cool. Cool. Do you have any? Yeah, goals? JB. What yeah. Are yours? What's yours? Uh, um. Yeah. My New Year's resolutions. Uh. Let's see. Instigate a global conflict. So, bam. Right off the bat. Um. Got that off oh, the bucket no. list. Oh, actually, one of my major um, promises to myself was getting a, a pitch finally picked up. And yeah. so that's definitely one of my goals. I'm going to be working on more pitches. Uh, also moving, because I want to uh, move. And getting into animation. That would be cool. That's kind of like quasi-comic related, but I feel like that would open a lot more doors in you know comic stuff as a result. What else? What else? Do more toys with comics. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's really about it. Oh, and and uh, do more shows that I would actually uh, make money at. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. Where do you want to move? Uh, L.A. Oh, yeah. I see big boy over here. Yep. yep Those yep, big yep. boy pants on. Yep, got my high waters on. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, later down the road. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just try to make more i think that's the overall goal is to make more uh more pages just more output in general have more books under my belt uh before the year is out nice um all right well uh, moving on to our q a and news section of this uh half-assed podcast uh well i guess we can do the q a's now or we can talk about news let's just do q a because i feel like we have a bunch of uh questions here uh cam you want to start us off because i know you have a bunch from uh the previous episode yeah um so this uh first one comes from um ian reed and he asked what art have you made that you are the most proudest of and has your view on it changed over time that's such a tough question because I feel like whenever I fin- finish a piece, I don't really like ever like look back on it. Like I feel like as soon as I finish it, I like hate it immediately, and then I don't really <laughs> think about like yeah how much I like it. Um, 
Yeah, I barely want to print what I've made usually. You usually have to talk me into it. Yeah. I'm I'm very proud of uh I did the Red Bull Chicago Music Festival poster this year and it was like the biggest commission that I've done so far because I was like I wasn't used to working on such a like tight schedule and a deadline and I was like so stressed out because I had to do it in like a week and a half. And then when I was finally done, I remember like I showed Ben the file. I was like, I fucking hate this. Like this looks like shit. And then I saw it like in the wild, like in person. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that does look. But that does look like okay. That looks pretty nice. So yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. But yeah, I, yeah, I feel like my really opinion good. of things like always, always changes all the time. You know. Do you all look back at your old work? Like, uh, do you go back and read it before you do something or anything like that? For the most part, or do you just like, I keep a copy of everything I've done, but I don't really refer to it too much, to be honest. But um, do you all keep stuff? Like, do you ever look at your old stuff or is it just too painful to Personally, do it? Personally, no. Sometimes I'll look back on it. I used to kind of do a small little series on and off, and I would look back at that to remember sort of what topics I had covered and which sort of um, either artistic or story elements that I wanted to retain. But oh, okay. yeah. I predominantly yeah, look at work that inspires me from outside that like when I start something new than looking back at old work. Hmm. I just want to note that uh, I can't speak on you one's behalf, but I know speaking on behalf of uh, me and Cam that you're probably the smartest one in, in this group chat currently. Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm like constantly telling Ben that he's like this, like you were like undeniably smarter than me. And Ben's like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know how to do like, I can't like do division like if, on paper if, anymore. If, <laughs> there, there's, a question, there's a question that y'all have mentioned that's coming where you can see the... But the depths of how actually dumb I am. <laughs> I I know what it is. It's one of the only ones we've previewed, and I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. All right, let's, let's um, keep going here. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead, I don't know if that question from Ian was directed at all of us or not. Um, uh, but you know, we'll no, move I on to the hear next one. Answers. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really. Like, I guess the work I'm proudest of, honestly, I think is probably the work that I don't put out on my own. So, like, you know, my contribution to Powder Pink, I did a strip in Bubbles. Um, and I guess the reason why I'm most proud of that is because or like other projects, whether it's like anthologies or like spot illustrations, I'm most proud of that work because I feel like I was asked to do that as opposed or, you know, I made the cut to do that as opposed to just, you know, self-indulgent self-publishing. Cause when you self-publish, you're just putting out what you feel is the best. And when you kind of work for somebody else, I guess that's when I would feel proud of something is if it meets all the fucking, like, you know, jumps through all the hoops of the editing process. So if I can get something through that, I guess I'm most proud of that work. I guess that would be my answer. I do think you should be proud of that race car driver comic because I look at that every once in a while. And I think that's a great one. Oh damn. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, I just don't really like to read my stuff, because, you know, kind of like what Ye Wan was saying, I just hate, I just hate everything I do, and, you know, kind of touching on what you said as well, Ben, I I don't even want to print this stuff, but I feel like I have to, because, you know, it's the only way that you're going to continue in this little game here, but, yeah, I, I kind of hate, I, I'm just too self-conscious about it all, so... I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know any comic artist or creator that isn't self-conscious in that way. Rob Liefeld. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but can you really say that? Uh, he, he posted yeah. today that he was a boomer. He was like, I'm technically not a boomer, but I'm going to stand up for boomers all over. <laughs> so it, it was like a picture of him like flexing shirtless on a beach. Well, also, he's kind of elevated the title of artist. He has now surpassed us <laughs> in, in many ways, you know, so he's I like mean, Buddha. that's like one way of he's saying like it. <laughs> yeah, he's reached perfect zen and now he's just like this corporeal the, uh, idea. He's not real. God. He's a concept. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you. Do you guys ever like look back on art that you used to make and be like, I wish I still drew like this. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's the opposite. I look at my older stuff. And I'm yeah. Just like, Why? Yewan yeah, used to. Yewan's really proud of learning how to draw from the How to Draw Anime book. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's why all of the eyes look like that. <laughs> oh my god, that's like partially Damn. true, but god like also ass. like. So I went to SKC, which is like a like a very high concept art school. So like before I came to SAC, I was doing just like straight like illustration, like a lot of like very cartoony stuff. So sometimes like I look back on it and I'm like, man, I could have made a lot more money if I just like kept doing this. Yeah, I don't know, I don't man. Know. No one wants yeah, to like buy my artwork that. of like a like I don't know, my sculpture of like a dog running into a human being or whatever <laughs> well i because i feel like i don't think you would have gotten that big commission job if you didn't draw the way that you draw now yeah i guess that's true so take that you i don't know, know. sometimes i wish i did i just you know just kept drawing big-eyed fucking anime chibi people and fan art of naruto and i'd probably could you imagine anime happy. dilbert <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a thing one <laughs> one's looking up Dilbert anime. Okay. But also, well, you know what? I'll... God damn it! Did you find anything good? There's not anything that's like really anime, but there's like a good. I I fucking hate to say it. There's like an image that I was like, I would wear a t-shirt of. <laughs> All right. All right. So next question. Here. Um, oh, you got uh, some? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Tom X Nishaw writes, least favorite video game dog, make him sweat. Okay, there is, I have to find the name of it. There's like this horrible game called A Dog's Life or something like that. A Dog's, no, that's the fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> give me a second. I put it in my book and I like really didn't want to. My friend was like, that's not fair. It's also a dog. Yeah, it's called Dog's Life. And the dog's name is Jake, and he's, like, this horrible, ugly foxhound dog. And I think, like, one of his powers in the game is that he can, like, fart and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a pretty cool dog. I don't know. You guys should, if you can, you should just Google a dog's life and look at the cover. And it's like, this dog looks so fucking smug. I hate, like, everything about him. (laughs) I just hate to look at him. smug dogs. Worst dog. Uh, Ben, do you have a least favorite video game? Honestly, no. Maybe yeah, maybe right also answer. the dog's life one now that I'm looking at it. But I can't think of one. I will have it known that um the 
dogs and video games Instagram account, I would constantly request um, the dog from Call of Duty to be shown. I put the and dog there from was, Call of Duty. There was uh, an embargo on it. I put the dog, which from is Call a shame Duty. considering our current political climate. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's a video game dog that I dislike, and I don't know if there is. I don't, but honestly, you know, I don't know. Like, I can't really think of a lot of game dogs off the top of my head um, outside of the obvious ones right now. Which one's um, your favorite, Cam? Um, so I really like. I mean, Parappa the Rapper looks cool. Yeah. Um, and then the dog from. Uh, the the Mario Chomp Chomp wasn't that technically a dog? Technically, yeah. Yeah, so there it's you go. Cute. That's a that's a good dog. No, but it, that's not that's not your least. No, favorite. those are the dogs I, I, asked I him liked. What his favorite was. Yeah, because oh. I don't have. Well, now we're just getting off the script. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, of this? well, you know, it, we need positivity in these trying times. So exactly. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. JV, what's your least favorite okay. video game dog? JV hasn't played games since them. like I, PS2. I hate- <laughs> Uh, no, wrong. It's PlayStation 1, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a question here from Ian Reed. Oh, there you go. Another one from Ian. Doubling up. You got any good wrestling comic recs? Blake's uh, retro slam jam was like, he made his own federation and that shit was pretty good. Jim Rugg's wrestling zine was good, but I don't really know about like any straight wrestling comics, to be honest, like besides Blake's. I know there was like the Screwjob anthologies. That counts. Yeah, those were good. But I mean, like... I. I don't know. I mean, didn't Steve Ditko uh, draw some wrestling comics? Mm, I don't know about that. I know uh, Love and Rockets. Uh, oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Penny Century. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Um, yeah. Duh. Yeah. That was good stuff. Um, I also say Blake's comic is probably the best, honestly. Yeah. Aubrey wrote that comic, but to be honest with you, I haven't read it. Uh, the oh yes, uh, comic book history of uh, professional wrestling. Yes. Uh, then there is uh, the Andre the Giant bio, auto bio rather comic. Oh okay, no, yeah. Uh, he didn't draw it. The Box it's Brown a, one. <laughs> Box Brown's bio comic. Yeah, of Andre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did read that. There was the Andy Kaufman one that he did too, which I thought was better than the Andre one, but I mean, it just was kind of. It was a Box Brown book. Oh, Kanuki Men. I don't know that one. When it was brought over to the States, it's called Muscle. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, just Muscle. But yeah, they made little tiny rubber reaction figures. Yeah, I know the Muscle Men dolls you're talking about. I didn't know it was... Okay. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, it's it's based on a manga, and it was turned into an anime. Okay, cool. This is not on topic, but there's a manga coming out soon that I've never even heard of, but Viz is uh, issuing it. It's about ping pong, and I'm so stoked to check that out. Fuck yeah, dude. You're right. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Do what? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that in Screwjob, Screwjob was was a great anthology, unfortunately. Yes. It's no longer with us, but man. Screwjob and yeah, Retro Slam Jam by uh, Blake Sims. And Blake was also in Screwjob. That's my two recs for that. Uh, I have one more question here from Morgan Freeman. Oh, okay. I got one from him, too. So we'll just get the Uh, dumb shit out of the way. (laughs) Okay. Question for Yewan. What kind of frog is best? Oh, okay. That's actually like a legit question from him. Uh, A frog with the biggest heart. (laughs) I like the... I don't know uh, any kinds of frogs. (laughs) I like the crazy frog. Wow. The ringtone crazy frog. That was more than a ringtone, Cam. Yeah. That was a whole album, and it was a good album, and it won a Grammy, I think. Yeah, see, my man Crazy Frog, that's my favorite frog. 
We have a uh, Ben's friend got like gave us a copy of like it's like Crazy Frog racing like a kart racing game, but For it's PS2. Crazy Frog, Yo. and we can't play it because we don't have a PlayStation Two. Yes, we do. We do. We have a PlayStation Two. Oh well, it's sat on our shelf for like a year, and I sometimes just like look at it, and I'm like, what? What is this? What does this game look like? Thank you, David. <laughs> I just googled the crazy frog to remember what he looked like and his dick is just hanging out yeah. 24/7. He's got like a tiny little penis sometimes. Yeah, and it's just hanging the out. The that created crazy wow, frog okay. he was like 16 in Swedish and he made a billion dollars. yeah, this dude's dick is just out. <laughs> <laughs> like eight out of ten of these pictures that's awesome on some of the albums they put shirts on them to cover it up but uh all right so dick frog is the best uh, frog <laughs> i've got one from maddie um how often are you embarrassed to be friends with the gutter boys <laughs> well i got this one i got this one every damn day <laughs> just kidding no, me too I'm, I'm me glad too. to be friends with y'all sometimes you guys like I'll like enter the group chat and like see what you guys are talking about and then immediately exit the group chat but like you're like the you're the Homer Simpson <laughs> meme where he goes into the bushes it's like oh no they're talking about dicks again and then just slowly oh no they're talking about Sopranos for like the 500th time today <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I've got a compliment for you from Alex Null. Uh, Alex is a good dude. Uh, Yewan, your Red Bull ad is so good that it makes me want a Red Bull. <laughs> wow. Hey, it works. That's amazing. Uh, ben, I have a question for you from Dylan, a.k.a. Drug Dogs. Ben, are you straight edge? Um, that's an interesting one. I, um, I generally stopped drinking last year and I haven't smoked anything in a long time. Um, but I still taste alcohol every once in a while, so I wouldn't consider myself straight edge, but mostly sober. Okay. It's mostly just like for your health, right? Cause like drinking makes you feel sick. Yeah. Drinking, uh, a few years or like two or three years ago, every time I would drink a beer, I would get bad heartburn and have to lie down and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I just cut it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's just getting, uh, you guys are young still, but that shit just happens to me now all the time. Cause I'm old as fuck. Um, there is a question B that he followed up with. Question B, can straight edge be a form of radical politics or is it just a social club for sober people? Damn, Dylan. Yeah, that's a. this is a heavier question. I was expecting a, a question about a certain film. Oh, no, I've, I've got that point. too. Okay. <laughs> we got to lighten um, the mood after this one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I generally view it more as a grouping of folks, like at least in the contemporary sense, I view it as a grouping of folks making a choice that is for themselves. Um, I also do think that there are some places in which we were talking about this recently. There are some places in which it's easier to be straight edge than others. Like I have a coworker who's um, who lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for a long time. And he reported having a very hard time being straight edge in a way that like I didn't growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, just because the drinking culture was so much greater. And in places like that, I do think that it has the potential to be some sort of political movement, um, but not as it stands, at least in America. Okay. I just don't want to weigh in on that because uh, I'm not I'm not really in the scene anymore. Um, I was straight edge when I was like 14 and then I drank a six pack. 
my freshman all at once. <laughs> yeah, so like you opened up all six tabs and then you just dumped it in your, in your mouth. Um, all right. So Blake wrote in, "What are y'all's thoughts on Borat?" I have a story to tell. I have never oh, seen Borat man. before, but there was one day where I like I had like a really awful bad day at work. Like I just had a really hard day. And I came in and Ben was standing there and he was like smiling so sweetly and he was like, I have a surprise for you. Go sit down on the bed. And then I sat down on the bed and he was like, Okay, close your eyes and put out your hands. And uh, when I opened my eyes, um, sitting in the palm of my hands was a treasure trove uh like copied DVD of Borat. <laughs> and I was just like, thanks. Borat is a film that's a cultural touchstone. And even though some of the jokes have not held up at all, I still think that it is one of the greatest films of our time and possibly forever. Uh, AFI, 100 films, 100 years or whatever, probably should have included that. Number one on the list. Sacha Baron Cohen, if you're listening, I will do the comic book version of Borat. You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> oh, the yeah, graphic novel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The graphic novelization of Borat. <laughs> hey, excuse me. Stop gentrifying comics, Ben. <laughs> I haven't seen Borat in a really long time, but that shit is hilarious. I haven't seen it in probably mm, five to ten years. Um but it's a it's a good one for sure. Uh, it still holds yeah. up. Um, in in my in my old band, occasionally we would go up, every time we would go on tour, we would pick something like really asinine to do. And this is just going to sound very immature, and that's because I was nineteen to age twenty two. And um, on one of our tours, we tried to watch Borat as many times as possible when we would like stay at someone's house. <laughs> so we would pop the, that DVD copy into like their Xbox 360 and just see how long that they would put up with it. Um, another tour, we did the same thing, but we would ask immediately for the Hulu password and then, or whatever it was on at the time, the Netflix of the Hulu password. We would put on the first episode of Family Guy, like the pilot no. episode of Family Guy, and sit there in like total silence and watch it without laughing. Um, and so I've seen the first episode of Family Guy 17 times. <laughs> God. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, I've I've seen like the first like two or three seasons of Family Guy so much just because they used to run it so much on Adult Swim, but I never really kept up with it past that, to be honest. I, and it's still fucking running somehow, but, you know. It is what it is. Um, yeah, dude. When we, we were, got... we've been back to Virginia for uh, the holidays to stay with my family, and Ben and I went to like a fucking uh, Dave and Buster's because we didn't have anything to do. And they had like tucked away in the corner, they had like Family Guy bowling, and like all the other games were probably maybe like seven points to play. The Family Guy bowling was fucking like 18 points. To put it to put it in perspective, three credits or points or whatever is about a dollar. So that was a five dollar oh, game. Uh, was it like a Dave and Buster's type deal? Like, yeah, it was, uh, it was a Dave literally and a Dave and Buster's. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, we used to. Do you guys have Gaddyland or Mr. Gaddy's? No. What is that? It's like it's like a similar thing, but we used to have a friend that worked there, and like you would get like tickets, and you can put them on an account. And like our friend would just put us like fifteen thousand tickets in our account. And we would just buy dumb shit like inflatable pools, 
and just, you know, the highest price things. And then she ended up getting fired for doing that. Oh, but no. it, it was a good like month long run of just going to Gaddy Land and just getting all the prizes. So <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Uh, that was when I was in like high school. Um, but yeah, uh, we got one from Nick. It's just a compliment. Nicole Desimone. Desimone. Um, hi, I just wanted to drop in and say I like the show. So thank you, Nicole. It's very nice of you. Um, Instagram user Paul along the watchtower asked advice for making your first comic. I mean, I feel like I say this every time I'm asked about comics, but it's just do it, you know, just to get something out. And if you like the process of doing it, then continue to do it because it's the only way that you're going to get better at it. Yeah, I totally agree. And like everybody has different methods of making comics. Like some people I know like like to just start drawing and see what happens. Well, like I like to have a general script before I start working. And like you really don't know what works best for you until you just like just literally just like sit down and try, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And I think maybe with a first comic, maybe try to come up with the story or like, you know, if there's a drawing you like and you want to draw that character or whatever you drew a bunch, you know, you can come up with a story for that. But um, I guess like advice for making a first one, um, some just try to make it in the page count and in intervals of uh, four. So that way you have a nice round book. I guess that's like some stuff you don't really think about. But no, I, I just I just think that, you know, just doing it and working through the process is important and figuring out what works for you because comics is one of those things that, you know, it's just uh you could do whatever you want with it. You know, there are so many different types of comics that you don't have to be chained down to one type or genre. So just kind of figure out what works for you and just continue to do it if you like it. Yeah. And that's really it's it's um I made my first comic maybe two years ago, actually, and I didn't. It didn't have any panels, so don't even stress about traditional formats when it comes to your first one. I think that that's like a. It's really easy to get bogged up in like, oh, this particular artist does a great job in the panel format, or this particular artist does a great job breaking through that panel format, and to just do what feels most natural to you. I also honestly recommend like as soon as you get one that you're like even somewhat proud of to print it or post it somewhere just so that it's out there and you feel less complicated about doing it again in the future. Yeah. And I, you know, my first few comics that I put out, like I would never let anybody see them today. I'm embarrassed of them, but I put them out kind of like you said, just to get them out. Um, so that way you don't have to think about it too much. So yeah, I, I think you should put stuff out and Hey, if you do end up putting something out, DM me and you know, I'm happy to check it out. I love checking out new work. So I'll grab one from you. Um, oh, also, so like I did this when I first started making comics too, is I would just go to comics fairs, even if I wasn't tabling and just like walk around my comics and be like, Hey, like, do you want to trade with me with like either people that I like really admired or just, you know, even just people I just found along the way. And it's just a really nice way to like start chatting with other people and getting involved. Cause like, I love comics, but like, I feel like I definitely would not have kept up and like wanted to stay with comics if it like weren't for all the people that I've met. Oh yeah. 100% same boat here. Um, the quote unquote scene keeps me going just because I don't know, it's such a weird isolating world and uh, just feedback and yeah that's what I did too just trading books with people you like and don't ever really be afraid to go up to somebody because one thing I've noticed there are some dickheads in comics but a lot of the times if you think somebody's a big deal in comics usually they're just selling more 
but still sitting behind a table just like you are. So, um, you know, feel free to talk to your favorite artist and, you know, a lot from my experience, like I'd say it's probably like 80, 20 good experiences. Um, I'm, I guess, fortunate enough to have met really cool people in comics and not a lot of dickheads. There are some in there, but I feel like for the most part, it's a generally rewarding experience to talk to creators. Definitely. Uh, yeah, one, have you ever had anybody tell you that they didn't want to trade with you? <laughs> I definitely have. Um, sometimes oh, really? It's been, yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's been for like valid reasons of like, oh, this is like a collaborative or like a collective work or like this is like someone else's work and I'm the publisher. But I remember the first year I went to Cake, the first person I went up to and asked if they wanted to trade, uh, the guy was just like, eh, not really. I just like, <laughs> didn't say anything. I was like, oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. But then there were plenty of other folks I met who were definitely willing to trade and were very, very generous. So it was totally fine. Have you seen this person again at Cake? No, never again. So. Mm. Do you recall who it was? We bury people on this show. <laughs> Yeah, we I love doing that. Don't, I don't remember anything about them, honestly, which I guess... Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> Says it all. I remember exactly. uh, one year at ZineFest, before I was even making comics, I uh, brought some like screen prints and uh, some intaglio prints and stuff from art school, mm-hmm. and I uh, was trading them. And, you know, some people would give me more, and other people would give me like... Other people would give me like a pack of stickers for a print, you know, mm-hmm. which is fine. I was just like, I understand, whatever. Uh, and then I went up to this one guy and he had his, granted, this is a zine fest. This is a Chicago zine fest. First off, he has a full comic banner oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> sitting behind him. And second, he doesn't have any zines. It's all just hardcover books <laughs> at, at the zine fest. And I go up to him. He's like, Hey, do you do any trades? And he's just like, uh, no, I don't do trades. I only come here to sell my books. <laughs> And that was that was the end of the conversation. I was just like, "All right, see." Wow. And I haven't I haven't seen him since then. I haven't seen his books anywhere. So I'm guessing he's doing just in it for the game, baby. (laughs) I uh, I've like usually if I refuse a trade, it's because I'll say something like usually I'll have something on the table that I can trade, like even if it's just like being nice. But if it's like something I don't want to trade or I don't feel like it's a a fair trade i'll say well this is new and i'm trying to you know recoup my expenses but for the most part i'm gonna say yes to a trade but sometimes like i don't know like if you come up to me with like a really cheap looking you know and this is not dogging on self-printing but if you come up with me like a xerox zine that's like you know four pages and you're trying to trade for my 30 page comic i'm i'm probably not gonna trade with you like i have to feel like it's a a good trade but it does suck to say no to people yeah i've had like there was one time someone came up with like uh like a moleskin to like a blank notebook that they had bought that they had like glued a photograph to the cover of and they wanted one of my books that was like twenty dollars and oh, i was no. a fucking coward so i just did it but i was kind of just kind of like oh yeah sure <laughs> oh. it's fine like i have a really hard time saying no to people because i'm a coward well, and what I do now is like uh, if I trade with somebody, if I don't know you, because usually if you know somebody at this point, you know, they're going to trade something. Um, 
But if I don't know you, I'll walk up and be like, hey, you know, I'm tabling here. You know, your stuff looks cool. And I usually have like a stack of whatever I'm trying to trade out my new book or whatever. And I'll be like, hey, you know, you don't have to say yes, but are you willing to trade for this? And I'll let them look at it. And most of the time they say yes. Um, And I've met a lot of cool people that way. But I've given people the option to in my script. I let people know it's okay to tell me no, because I like to be considerate in that way now. Just because I would like it if people did that for me. They don't, but it'd be nice. (laughs) To piggyback off of that, um, I think a really good way to get, like, if you're new especially, to get folks over to your table. And, like, I still do this. When I do my rounds and when I walk around fairs, um, I just strike up a conversation. I'm like, oh, this looks really good, especially if I'm, like, purchasing something. And I'm like, oh, our table's just downstairs or it's just over there. You can see it there. Um, And, like, nine times out of ten, they come by. And, like, I do that to people, too, who are, I'm like, oh, where's your table at or whatever? And then I'll go th- there and I'll check it out. And I've actually discovered some of my, like, favorite artists from this year doing that. Yeah, it feels so intimidating. But, like, in the end, like, all comics artists, I feel like, kind of have, like, a low self-esteem. Like, we all, like, think our work is bad and we're all very, very, very nervous, you know? So, like, I think if you just go into it and just, like, be friendly, I don't think anyone's really going to be an asshole. There's, of, of like, like we said, there's always, like one percent but you know i think generally people are very very nice usually if they're like old or if they're a marvel or a dc person and not even all of them but those people are can be assholes but i feel like everybody that's in this generation is rather pleasant for the most part um but if you go to some of the bigger shows like uh like a Comic-Con, not like a small press show or whatever, you know, the the gloves are off there. You know, you never know what you're going to run into there. So um, I've had some bad experience with some like creators from the 80s. So, I mean, you know, kind of just, you know, if you're doing I'm assuming if you're listening to this show enough to write in the kind of comics you read, everybody should be pretty cool. So just trade your work, you know, talk to creators and just keep doing it. And I guess that's the best advice I can personally offer. It's kind of worked for me for six, seven years now. There's an excellent quote from a noise musician, and I'm forgetting who it is right now, but uh, it's that everyone who listens to noise should be making noise and should have a noise project. And I kind of feel the same way about comics. I feel like if you you read them so much, you should also be making them, even if you don't think they're good. Um, Like, why not? It's a good exercise. That's true. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, nut up or shut up yeah (laughs) unless you're just like one of those like dc and marvel fanboys that argue about everything you guys don't need to make comics you guys can just keep posting on message boards about them um yeah keep arguing about the mcu yeah i have i have no desire to read your comics um yeah so we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we'll we'll uh Go in depth with our guests here and fuck them. All right. See ya. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that. <laughs> That's a good Amazing. sound. That's good. We'll be right back. Yeehaw, dudes. I just love the old West when things are wild and woolly and turtles are really turtles. Crazy Cowboy Don is as rough and tough as they come. Sewer Scout Raph is scouting things out. Bandito Bustin' Mike always bashes the bad guys. And Chief Leo, leader of the Turtle Tribe, is a real man's turtle. Yeah, I just love the Wild West. Of course, I don't like it too wild. Oh, it takes a good rider to handle them rockin' horses. 
Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Gutter Boys. <laughs> We're now back from our little break here. Uh, yeah, so, sorry. <clears throat> Yewan and Ben are still here for some reason. We asked them to leave, but um, they they just wanted to stick around, I guess. So, I guess we'll keep we'll keep going. It's fine. Uh, so, yeah. Yewan, let's start with you. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, one answer, uh, one, uh, one word answers only. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, Yewan, so you went, you graduated from SCIC. Um, mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about your development from sort of more fine art into comics? Yeah. And printmaking, because obviously printmaking's always been sort of a thing that you've been into. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, it was kind of the opposite, where I, like, came in and was like, I want to do, like, comics and illustration, but then... Uh, SAC is like I think the most like con- like conceptual college in America. So um, just going there, I feel like I gained a lot of influences from that. But um, when I was a freshman, I had my RA Ian. I don't remember Ian's last name now. He doesn't make comics now. But um, he was in this club called Xerox Candy Bar, which was like a collective comics group at SAC that he like brought me to meetings. And that's actually where I first met uh, Gabby Craycraft, Henry Guerra, and uh, Brad Roloff, who are all like still good friends of mine. We're all still in the comics community. And they kind of just like took me under their wing and helped me learn more more about comics and stuff. And um I think the first time I got like really interested is I went to there's this big event in Chicago every year called Art Expo, which is just this like big like hoity toity like everybody drinks like fifteen dollar glasses of red wine and like looks at like a painting of like a like a just a big paint stroke on a big piece of paper or whatever like stupid stuff like that yeah serious um, shit yeah you know real real artwork but um <laughs> for whatever reason when i was the first year i went they had like a whole like art stand booth set up for um fuck i'm trying to remember the name of it uh cam we've talked about this artist you know john mcnaught yeah 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 um he was there with this press called was it no brow yeah yeah no brow had like a whole booth there and john mcnaught was just like sitting there signing stuff so i was just like oh these are really really nice and i talked to him a lot about um comics and printing because um i think almost all of no brow's books are offset printed which is why they like look so gorgeous and colorful and I was taking an offset class next semester so I just like talked to him a lot about like his process and like how he colors things and he was really really helpful and nice and um I think just from there I like continued even with like my non-comics work I feel like my more fine art let's say like still has a lot of narrative inside of it um so I think just like from the skills I learned in that and, and, um, a lot of my like advanced screen printing and like offset printing classes. Um, I did an apprenticeship in offset too. I think a lot of that just like kind of helped guide my practice. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's the end of the show, guys. Thanks you so much for being on. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's interesting because I feel like you and I have very similar backgrounds in that way. Um, yeah. Because I, I kind of like shifted into art as a degree, mm-hmm. and then you know as a result just kind of had to go into the studio art route uh, because there there was no illustration department or anything at the school I went to. Yeah. Um, so I kind of ended up having to do more conceptual work. And while that was fine, it was definitely not something that I was that super interested in genuinely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after I finally graduated and then worked in the sort of quote unquote professional art with a capital A world uh, of, you know, gal- uh, gallery, um, gallery management and whatnot, uh, that's when I realized that this was not for me at all. Mm-hmm. And just did only, you know, minor illustration work here and there until I got into comics. And mm. I'm, that's, I mean, here I am, you know, five years later. So, yeah, I don't know. Funny yeah. how things work that way. Yeah. I I feel like I still do enjoy some aspar- as- <laughs> aspects of, like, the Ass parts. <laughs> no, you said it. We're sticking to it. <laughs> you like some ass parts. I What's your favorite enjoy- ass part? <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I still enjoy some ass parts of the like conceptual <laughs> sides of like fine art and stuff, which yeah. is like, yeah, like I, I feel like this sounds kind of pretentious, but like, I feel like I don't, a lot of my work like isn't even comics. It is just like, this is like a narrative work, you know, because I feel like I tried, I don't really look at a lot of like differentiation between like my comics work and like my fine art. It's just more of like, this is just a publication that I've made, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that's the right way to think about it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, ben, what about you? Because I know your background is now, well, now I know it's in mathematics. You did some design work. Um, did did those two kind of, did you lead into or did you get into design because of mostly your, your work in bands? Or was it like working in that scene? Or did that somehow get integrated with your interest in mathematics? Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually primarily the result of discovering punk and hardcore and noise at a really early age and then okay. proceeding to develop that through 35 millimeter photography because my high school actually had a great program for it. Okay. Um, when I was going to college, I considered a degree in photojournalism, but ultimately wound up at a different university that didn't offer a degree in that that would be great. Right. Um, the design and like making art was kind of the thing the other the main thing i did that wasn't academic that makes sense okay so but and and you were playing in a couple of bands at the same time yeah okay yeah i've I've, uh i was playing in a lot of diy hardcore bands throughout college i actually didn't start making what i would consider strong visual artwork until after i graduated college okay and how did you kind of get into that was that just an offshoot of the work you were doing in zines and stuff absolutely not (laughs) <laughs> it was, um, I actually put down the camera. I was like not making any sort of visual work for a long time because the band I was in was not, I don't want to be like an asshole, but like prominent enough that that was a main, the main thing I was working on. Um, and it took up a lot of my time and then that band kind of broke up and then I met Yewan and it was about a year of not doing anything. I was just working, um, some shitty job I didn't like and I was tabling with Yewan at zine fests and things and cake and stuff, but only through 
being your sort of tabling assistant. And I saw, I saw what folks were doing and I got really, really interested. And after a little bit of prodding, Yewan made me make a comic and then I've just okay, been doing cool. it since. Okay. Okay. I was not expecting that. Okay. It, it's like, uh, I don't know. Cause Yewan, I know you've mentioned this before where people come up to your table and be like, is this your stuff? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, Thankfully and, that doesn't like happen as much anymore. Cause I feel like we both have more of like a, I feel like there's like an obvious like separation between our works. Yeah, our, our, we're stylistically, I think thematically weirdly similar in some regards, but stylistically different. Yeah, but definitely when we first started, like people would come up and like sometimes talk to Ben and I'd be like, yeah, I, I made these, I made these, hi, I made these. There was yeah. also always, always my favorite ones where um, someone who would come up, look at uh, an Asian American name <laughs> and then look at me, who I'm, I'm, I'm a Polish American man. And, <laughs> and they're like that checks out that totally yeah, checks it, it out now it wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily be like what was weird is that no one ever asked about it there would just be like an assumption made and i would al- always be like blubbering sort of like i am now and be like oh it's, it wasn't uh, uh, jack jack i swear jack it wasn't me <laughs> listen jack i'll do 20 push-ups right now with you <laughs> Yeah, this was, uh, they weren't being shitty about it, but last year at SPX, um, my parents came and I was like showing them around and introducing to pe- them to people. But mm-hmm. um, at oh, one yeah, point, I remember that. You, you can tell this story because you have Oh, um, one of my favorite punk cartoonists, um, if you could call them that, uh, Laura Palmall, uh, Korean American um, cartoonist, uh, was tabling at SPX a few years ago. And I was walking around with Yewan's parents because you had to finish out the day um, that year I didn't have any space behind any table so I was just walking around with like some zines in a bag and also just hanging out and uh Yewan's parents just stood like three feet behind me but clearly with me and Laura Palmall and I were talking I was like oh I've liked your work for a really long time um and they were like are, th- are those your parents and I was like no 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 <laughs> and I explained they were really cool about it um it was very funny but they were your I turned around and your parents were both smiling really really big and I was, <laughs> I was like, yes. yes and they took us to bonefish grill <laughs> well you guys went to momofuku yeah that was I've a never good day I've never been to uh bonefish grill we have one here is it any good I know it's a chain, it, but no. it's kind of just like a slightly nicer Chili's. Oh, okay. My, okay. My parents actually don't, they actually actively talk shit about Bonefish Grill. Hell yeah. Which is hilarious because they are like huge Carabas fans. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Carabas twice when I was in Lakeland. <laughs> twice? Oh my God. Yeah, when we went back for the holidays, my dad had a business meeting and my brother and his girlfriend were out on a date. So Ben and I took my mom out on a date to the Bonefish Girl because she already had a gift card there. Oh, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Listeners, if, if it's not clear enough, Yewan's parents are adorable. Um, <laughs> they're very sweet. I'd like to see them again. I haven't seen them in like two years now. Yeah, yeah it was you... SPX 2018, I think. Yeah, maybe next year at... At SPX, we'll finally get a table and you guys can come over. Are you guys planning cool. on doing SPX? We didn't get in. Wait. To this year's? Wait, this year's? I don't think. Oh, yeah, yeah I don't done. think it, they've put out the applica- or the lottery yet. Yeah, no, we'll definitely apply, but There's it no is lottery, right? Yeah. Um, I, did any, I wonder if they've touched base on it being in a different spot, because I know they were talking about. I don't think they're moving it yet. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so this year it's still going to be at the uh, same hotel, but it'll be the last year that they're doing it. Allegedly, oh, okay, allegedly. okay. So 2020 is the last year that they're doing it there. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've heard at least. So. Okay, gotcha. I don't know. Oh, you know, speaking of shows, uh, we kind of wanted to touch on this last episode because um, at Short Run, uh, we all tabled at that show, um, except for Cam because he sucks. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And we wanted to talk a little bit about that experience, comparing that with um, the Chicago Art Book Fair, because they were so uh, vastly different in terms of yeah. like experiences. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, Short Run was amazing for me. Um, what about what about you all? Amazing. Short Run was the best fest we've ever done. Yeah, it was Hell so yeah. much fun. Um, we sold a lot and like everybody there was so, so nice. I feel like I didn't have like as many like weird interactions as I usually do at like a book fair and I did have one Biden style interaction which was totally dope <laughs> where a man came up looked at uh, the most recent edition of Pallor Pink which was about cowboys which all three of you and not me were in um, <laughs> but I was watching the table while you were walking around Yewan and this man comes up and he's like cowboys huh you know did you catch the latest episode of 60 Minutes and I was like <laughs> I know I can't say I don't think I've ever caught an episode of 60 Minutes um, and then he, he was like you know you'd think that Cowboys it, he didn't finish his sentence basically and it was and he, he looked me dead in the eye and said you know you'd think Cowboys would be coming back with the political situation going on right now and then he walked away he said he said thank you and walked away and oh, I, man. I, tre- I treasure that interaction <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> what was he getting to? <laughs> Cowboys should yeah. be coming back. You know, there with this current political situation. <laughs> there was definitely like a lot of like older, kind of like weird, crunchy white dude, like white people. At yeah, Short that's Run. Seattle. Like, Chicago that's... Zine Fest was that way last year too. <laughs> this, was like, this was like, I felt like, 40% of the people that come to Short Run are kind of just like older white folks. Huh. But like none of them none of them are like rude. They're all just like a little a They little also weird, all you know? open up their wallets immediately upon yeah. walking in, so it's like it all works out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't buy a lot at Short Run though. No, I didn't either, but I think that's because it was so to stay at the it, table at all times. The 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 fair itself was so dense that like the only time that I got to clearly walk around was like four thirty to five, which is when it yeah. ends, or yeah. like five thirty to six, or whatever the last half hour of the show was. So it was like me sprinting around trying to see what I liked. Yeah, yeah, that's what the one downside of it being a one day event. Definitely not enough time to yeah get it all in. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't really visit other people that much or get to browse and see new work. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty lucrative. So Yeah. They were also like the people that organized the fair were really on top of things and were very organized and were also like yes. very, very kind and generous about stuff. So it was really, really nice. Yeah, I I'm agree. aiming to do that as my West Coast show this year instead of something in LA. So I've done LA the past few years, so I'm gonna try to do short run this year. Yeah, you should. We should all do it together. It yeah. Was awesome. yeah. Seattle's yeah. such a like really gorgeous place. Like Ben and I are going to try to move out there sometime like towards the end of this year maybe. Hell yeah. Damn, everybody's relocating out west. All right. Yeah. Mhm. All know right. What that means Cam. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to just have, have to, You have to move to Maine. Yeah, I have to move on the same time zone. You guys will be like, "You guys want to record at 
you know, eight o'clock. I'll be like, uh, it's 11 where I'm at. It's a no go. <laughs> um, no, but, Jimmy, uh, did, did you tell the story about the, the bar regular? <laughs> The bar regular. When we went oh to the karaoke God. bar and there was a bar regular who sang a very interesting song. Was this at Short Run? Oh, yeah, yeah that's run. right. No, I didn't tell that story. You, I mean, you you all should tell that one. But yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so we went to a bar with our friends. Uh, Christine and Eric took us to this really cool karaoke bar. And we went with like a bunch of people from Short Run also. Um, I had a vodka cranberry that I feel like was maybe like 80% vodka. So I was like <laughs> really, yes. really like, well, like really, really not like crunk in the it. club. I was not feeling it. Yeah. But I was just like sitting and all of a sudden I heard some guy get up and he was like, I just want everyone to know that this song does not have any hidden messages. And then he started singing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but instead he sang supercalifragilistic Epstein didn't kill himself, like <laughs> over and over again for like what felt like ten minutes. And like I think Ben has a picture of me I, just like sitting in the middle of the club, just like looking down at my lap, like not knowing like Jesus. how to process what was I unfortunately I, don't yeah. have a picture of it, but I do have a video of the event, and it's a selfie of me nodding as. Hell yeah. <laughs> it happens, and you can clearly hear it. It was so I'm, dope. I'm pretty sure he's uh, friends, or at least Eric is friends with him. Eric and, and Christine run really easy press, and yeah. uh, and they also used to run Token here in Chicago. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those are like their their pal kind of. Yeah, he was a really really nice guy. He like came back over after he finished his song when we're all like high fiving. Like, <laughs> I feel like it just took me so long to process what he was saying, and I was like, am I having a <laughs> uh, and also you did a song Yewan, i believe actually both of you did i didn't no I'm, i thought i signed up for zero by the smashing pumpkins and that's what wait. it was and then i wanted to okay. go home so i didn't wait long yeah that's it. right that's right okay yeah i did i think we're alone now by tiffany and you did uh Man. yeah oh yeah that was that's a fun right. night yeah it was a fun time nothing like getting a couple of comics buds together and getting drunk and doing karaoke yeah. yeah. What's your go-to karaoke song? Hmm. I have like a playlist, honestly. Yeah, same. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I go with yeah. any Sugar Ray's greatest hits. Like if it's on Sugar Ray's greatest hits, I'm in there. Oh, yeah. We left earlier, but I heard that Carly did a Sugar Ray song. Uh, late <laughs> yes, in the Carly did. Yeah. That yeah, fucking yeah. rules. Yeah. Uh, my go-to is a uh, Crazy Town. <laughs> the uh, what butterfly? Yeah, sugar, baby. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, going back to your work at SEIC in terms of what you were doing. So your focus was on printmaking. Has it always been printmaking? Yeah, I was a fucking idiot. And um, at SAC, you don't have to declare a major. There's like a general just like BFA. So they really encourage people to like take as many different classes and like different subjects as you can. So you can like learn a bunch of stuff. But I was a moron and I was like, yeah, but like print's what I'm comfortable with. So I just basically took screen printing for like four years in a row. Mm. Um which is why yeah. you're really good at it. I mean, Thanks. here's the thing. Here's the thing. There is, I understand why a school like SEIC would push that idea of, you know, focusing on being a multi a multidisciplinary artist. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like that's because that's kind of the quote unquote thing to do now in the last like 30 years. For sure. And, Especially and, in terms of fine art. 
Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like uh, that has kind of a detrimental impact to a lot of the artists because now you just have a lot of not necessarily skilled creators and artists uh, who are like trying to do these complex things across multiple mediums, but it sometimes doesn't land because they don't have a proper grasp on one or more of the mediums that they're using, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it kind of depends. Um, At SAC, honestly, like technique was like fairly rarely taught, which I think in some cases is not great and in some cases is interesting. Um, like I took a drawing class with a uh, Carl Worsom that was really interesting because he didn't like show us how to do anything. It was very much just like an exploration of like your practice and your concepts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant, I meant more in terms of like, oh, I wish I had taken like a neon making class. Cause like how else, when other, like what other time would I have been able to do that? <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think the show that we went to, uh, that BFA show, there was a lot of neon work. As a result, a lot of not very good neon work, granted, but it was still neon work. No, for sure. That VFA show was very interesting. Very interesting. I'm just going to say, they they get worse every year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Anyway, um, so yeah, hey, if you're interested in uh, fine arts, SEIC, they are... Uh, applications are always open. They will gladly take your money. Um, if, if you are interested, you can message me about it because I think that SAC has some like a lot of positives, but also many, 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 many negatives. So, yeah. yeah. Do you all, both yeah. of you all, do you all feel that for where you're at now? I mean, school, I feel like is I didn't finish school, but I mean, like, do you are you glad that you went? to an art school or do you feel like you could have you know done it without it like how do you all like since you both graduated in the arts do you all feel like it was worth it oh ben went to math school well no no i meant you and jb i'm sorry oh sorry no you're okay ben went to math school (laughs) math school oh I, I do. Um, I feel like when I first graduated, I definitely felt like that was like a fucking waste of time and like so, so much money. But um, I think the thing with SAC is that like you really have to utilize your time there. Like they make it so easy to just like slide by. Like I think you need like a C average to graduate like oh, most okay. of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's very, very easy. But um, like as expensive and like hoity-toity as it is. I had so many amazing teachers that were like really, really encouraging of the work that I did. Um, all of the classes were really small, like 10 to 15 people. So you really get like a lot of time to work with um, the teachers and the staff there. So I don't know. I feel like it changed my trajectory from something like art that I was like, I feel like this is okay to something that like I was like, I feel like I'm making something that is much more interesting than I used to be making. So I, I am happy that I went, um, but I think it's always different for different people, you know? Like, I feel like there's plenty of people, especially in comics, that, like, don't have any sort of traditional education in it and are still, like, killing it, you know? Right. No, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, and, you know, I just don't have, like, any kind of experience with any kind of art school to, like, weigh in on that, so it's interesting to hear your viewpoint. JB, do you feel like it was worth it in the end for you, or...? Well, I mean, my experience is a little different only because I initially was going to go to SAIC and then ended up just uh, going to a state college at uh, in Tampa. 
Okay. And um, so, I mean, they had a dedicated art department. They had great professors. And in fact, we had um, a guest professor who was an SEIC guy. Um, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Jason something or other. Jason Alexander? No. Yes, it was Jason Alexander. Um, No, it was uh, Jason Lazarus. That was his name. Oh, he's so cool. Uh, He was there, yeah. Um, But, I mean, I know my parents are glad I have a a BFA. (laughs) Right, yeah. They're just glad I have a degree. I don't really think they cared what degree it was since it wasn't medical or law. Um, but you know, it's hard for me to say, cause I mean, I, I, I would say I did learn a lot from art school. I definitely really appreciated, um, the experiences I got in other mediums that I wasn't familiar with. Like you said, with, you know, neon, um, for me, it was printmaking and photography, two mediums that I had zero experience with going in and then walked away with quite a bit. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there are positives, yeah, I, I don't know if you agree, but I would say, like, the most general negative with all art school is, like, you, you learn a bunch of techniques. They teach you absolutely nothing about, like, how to get a fucking job or, like, oh, how to yeah, no. yourself. There's no practical, like, nothing there they teach you is, has really any real practical applications. Yes. Outs, outside of, like, I mean, I'm trying to think. We did have one course where it was trying to kind of zone in on more of the real world. Mm-hmm. a reality of the art world and kind of like, you know, putting together a portfolio and like talking to galleries and like um, doing that shit. So, but that was just so minor in the grand scheme of what they were teaching you. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I would say if you are going to go to art school uh, and I, again, I'm not, I can't speak on Yewan's behalf with, with SEIC cause I, I don't have experience with that school, but I would say that going the state college route was nice cause it wasn't as heavy of a, of a monetary burden. Yeah. Um, and I still walked away with quite a bit of, uh, you know, knowledge from that. And of course, you know, you get to meet a lot of other people, like-minded artists and, and, and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, overall it's pretty positive. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's good. Cause at least you all aren't, you know, completely, you know, it's good to hear that you're positive about it and just don't think it was a waste of time. Um, but, uh, so do you, would you all encourage somebody that wanted to do comics to go to school? Have you all taken like comics related courses? I know in some universities that's offered. Yeah, I took one class with, uh, I feel bad. I forgot his name because it's really neat. Jeffrey Brown. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He did Star Wars and Kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's like um, autobio stuff too. Yeah, he was really like such a sweetheart. But, um, he was very, 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 very gentle. He didn't give too much critique. But um, again, I was in that comics club, so I feel like we kind of really helped each other out and like critiqued our own comics together, which again just like brings it back to the whole community thing of like comics community is always very open to helping each other. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, those people that you named are, you know, I would consider some of the best in the city. Yeah. Um, you, JB? Yeah, did you take any comics courses? We uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> they, <laughs> they had nothing even remotely like that um, in 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 the school I went to. I when I was probably around twelve or thirteen, the public library in my hometown, or no, the um, sorry, the public uh, art museum in my hometown had a um, summer school program, and one of the programs that they 
offered was cartooning, which mm. kind of led into comics. Yeah. And uh, so I did that. And, you know, that that was fun. Um, I learned a little bit, but then didn't really make anything in terms of comics until like well into my late 20s. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say that I really had any college level experience with comics and I just kind of had to do it on my own, I guess. But like Yewan pointed out, I think that the community by and large is so supportive and open and willing to share ideas that you really I, I don't really see the need or necessity to learn that in a college setting. No, it's right. not. Like, no, if anything, absolutely. I, I mean, I would say the more refinement of the technical level. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can definitely learn that in, an, in, a, in the right school. And that will then transfer into your comic work because you'll have a better grasp of the visual medium, at least. Mm-hmm. But um, and I don't think that's a necessity per se, but it helps. It definitely helps because I feel like the best people who draw, quote unquote, the wrong way are usually the people who already know how to draw the right way to begin with. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. OK. I agree with that. Yeah. Ben, uh, do you want to weigh in on anything? Um, um, oh, yeah. Well, go ahead, Ben, and I'll, I'll follow up after that. No, you could you could just follow up right away. I don't know. I didn't I didn't actually uh you uh, I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um I've heard very good things about their typography design program. I unfortunately couldn't take any because they were exclusively limited to art students oh, man. in design school. So I've actually I the last art class I took was in high school and it was uh either AP photo or advanced photo too. Uh so I have never taken a comics class. Were you predominantly film, digital, or both? Uh, predominantly film. I had a I had an okay. excellent teacher who encouraged me to go as far with the medium as possible. And I still actually, when I travel, I still bring a 35 millimeter camera. That's cool. Yeah, because uh, I mean, the program that I was at, their their photography department was slowly shrinking due to funding, and uh, they were phasing out film and going yeah. just just into digital. A lot of you can even see that um, that issue like. The lack of community darkrooms and the lack of community resources for film photographers not only affects artists, but also folks who, older folks who didn't make that switch. Um, yeah, I, I and agree. And I think, like, like, we're seeing, like, you can't take your film into a Walgreens anymore, and occasionally I'll see older folks who are like, these are my, I found this disposable camera of my trip or my wedding or whatever, who come into a Walgreens and they're like, well, we can't fucking help you. (laughs) Get the fuck out, old guy. I I think that is kind of an interesting aspect of modernization and also of a lack of funding for public arts programs that the analog mediums often get cut. And I am curious, for those of you who engaged more with like comic style classes, was that predominantly digital or were they encouraging you to make analog work and then do the scans? Um, for me, Jeffrey was really encouraging of working, uh, on paper. Mm. I actually worked like predominantly digitally. And then like, if I ever drew something by hand or like with a collage, Jeffrey was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, that's really, really cool. But I still work mostly digitally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's like a certain convenience aspect to it. Like for sure, even like today on Trout, like I I have 144 plus shots from when I was in belarus a few weeks ago and it's like i I, de- I got them developed at csw but i don't know where to get them scanned so i'm kind of just like sitting on them until i can figure that out um so like there are times in which i wish that like i was working digitally but i just don't yeah is it uh were you, so you said you were shooting 35 millimeter yeah 
Okay. I mean, I have my my scanner has those weird little film cell trappers. I will. I will, we will talk offline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll 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 get you squared away if I can figure it out. Nice. Because uh, that's what that's what um I did when I was taking photography. Most of it was digital, but I for one reason or another was like, no, I want to shoot film for this class, and so I got a thirty five millimeter camera. I think it was a Pentax. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the classic models, uh, that's like manual and, yeah. um, yeah, like that experience was like, I would say by and large helped me, uh, kind of understand better when I started doing more digital and digital editing and stuff like that. It was like, I don't know. I think that stuff's really important. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the same thing could be said about comics of like the first one I did was digitally. And then you, you, Yewan actually encouraged me to go back to paper and to, try to draw more on paper and now i pretty much do everything on paper and scan it in before making any sort of like small edits or adjustments yeah are you drawing on paper a lot and then scanning it in uh yay one or are you primarily digital uh primarily digital okay yeah i've i've always like trying to draw things by hand but i use like so many references it just makes it so much easier to like have the photo up on my laptop while i'm drawing it you know? right no absolutely for sure are you using a tablet or are you use like a with the, with the screen you draw on or are you using like a Wacom controller? Yeah, I have a tablet. I have a Wacom 3 that I bought from Brad Roloff like three years ago for real cheap and it's uh, still still kept up and running. So Hell yeah. And Cam, you you predominantly use digital, but you, I've seen you draw on paper before too. Yeah, I thumbnail on paper and I'll like draw sketches on paper, but if it's a comic, it's primarily digital. It's just so much faster. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's like, to me, like, I don't even have a scanner. If I, when I was using a scanner early on, I've, <laughs> I've always lived at like apartment complexes here that have business centers. So I've had to use their little shitty eight and a half by 11 scanners to like scan in my documents. <laughs> so it's always been more of a hassle. So I'm just primarily straight digital now. Um, I'm thinking about possibly making the jump over to uh, an iPad. So I'll actually be able to like mimic the actual act of drawing again with like the apple pencil um but you know that's what is the software everybody uses on the procreate or something like that yeah so i don't know we'll see we'll see i'm kind of on the fence about that right now yeah and i feel like there's a perfect medium between the two that you can still do like i know a lot of professionals that you know do either one of the big two or some other you know quasi large publisher where they will um, pencil everything digitally and then print it out in non-photo blue and then ink that manually or, you know, analog and then scan that and then, you know, color it digitally. So there is, yeah. So there is some element of the analog remaining. I think the majority of the reason why that's still done is for the collector's market, unfortunately. Um, mostly because a lot of these artists table, or have representation and so they sell their original pages to collectors and so yeah, I, I understand that i wouldn't blame them on that i mean get your money because i mean marvel yeah, and dc are paying you as much as you should be getting yeah also you have no health care so. yeah so <laughs> yep um so uh ben going back to you making zines and being in a band so the main band that you were in were they a grindcore band yeah it was a locust ripoff band oh okay. Hell yeah yeah uh, gas up your hearse. Okay. Were you guys on a a, a label or anything like no, that? No, we were do we were doing things primarily DIY. Um, there were towards the end of the band's career, there were some talks with 
some very goofy labels, but I'm not going to name them just because that all kind of fell apart. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you miss it? Do you miss the touring and, and playing shows and whatnot? So yes and no. I miss a lot of it. And then I think about spending the time to travel like that again. And I prefer traveling as I do now because I really enjoy traveling. That was my favorite part of being in a band, honestly, um, mm. was getting to travel around and to play a show every night and have like a reason to be in some small city as like weird as that sounds, but like going to Fargo with yeah. the band or whatever was better than going to Fargo by myself. Yeah. Um, right. Right. I miss aspects of it. And then I don't miss aspects of it. Um, I think my, we already mentioned him once on the podcast, but my friend David and I always talk about getting a band going together. He was in the last, or he was in gas up towards the end of its, lifespan and uh so that's something that you guys are working on right now possibly yeah i mean not not like actively it's something we talk about every time we see each other <laughs> fair fair i like always all, like, like all bands <laughs> right right yeah yeah i i i mean i grew up in the diy punk scene even though i wasn't actively well i was in a band but that was in high school so i don't really count that so seeing it from the observer's standpoint and seeing the community and participating in that way and then comparing it to this new sort of scene that I'm involved with comics and, and zines and whatnot. I, I see a couple of parallels. Do you at all? Absolutely. Um, they function mostly similar. Um, yeah, honestly, they function more similarly than dissimilarly. Mm -hmm. I think there are a few things that the punk scene or like the grindcore and screamo particularly scenes in which I was running could have done much better um, that comics like crushes them on. And then I see things that like Screamo and Grind was doing way better than comic scenes do. Was like, uh, give me, give me examples. Absolutely. Um, I think that something that the comic scene does a lot better than the Screamo and Grind scene, particularly the Screamo scene, there are some exceptions to that bands, uh, DIY bands like Amygdala from Texas was really great about this, but like, comics can be and it doesn't have to be but comics tends to be a lot more overtly political and well researched um mm -hmm. in a way i feel like people just like having played so many diy shows with like well-intentioned kids but kids who were talking out of their ass about socialism or anarchism or any of the other political ideologies that like i find myself drawn towards and aligned towards um I feel like in comics, I get to engage with that a fair bit more than I actually did touring in a band, even from ex like so-called anarchist punk bands or whatnot. Yeah. Um, however, I do think that Screamo and Grind did a fairly better job with dealing with like reformative justice, I guess, for folks who had made transgressions or had done something not good that I feel like comics isn't always great about. Mm. And do you, I mean, is that specifically just in comics overall, or is it like specifically small press? Mm, I mean, I only really have experience with small press, so I would say in small press. Okay. Yeah, Juan, do okay. you agree? I'm so like, uh... mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> no comment from Yewon. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would say uh, with small press, I think there's a little I would say actually that there is quite a bit more accountability 
in small press than say mainstream comics, right? Like I would say that at the bare minimum. Yeah, I guess like I ran in a particularly like I, I a scene that I don't necessarily agree with its methodology all the time, but it was like if word got out that someone had done something whack, they were bounced immediately. And in some cases I think that they're in comics from what I've noticed, people stick around a lot longer. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that too is that Grindcore from what I mean, I I love Grindcore, but I wasn't that wasn't really my scene per se at that age. And so my experience was more the I mean there there's overlap obviously with all these scenes, but like my experience was more in line with, you know, hardcore punk, metal, mm-hmm. what have you. And uh and and some Grindcore and because of how confrontational the music already was, as a result, that leaked into sort of the overall cultural attitudes about how they handle certain things. So they, they, I think there's more of a willingness to be confrontational. Yeah. And and kind of uh, a willingness to confront things um, more bluntly. Whereas I feel like in the comics world, you're dealing with people that pretty much just lock themselves in a room for 12 hours a day uh, drawing about uh, their problems in an indirect way. Right. Yeah. And so, like, so I feel like that kind of reflects in how certain things are dealt with. But I, again, I, from my experience, it, it feels like there's a little bit more of a willingness to confront things in small press in terms of problematic people or actions or in, in uh, publishers doing things that are really shady and whatnot. Um, especially with publishers, I would say when it comes to like, uh, artist rights and and um, uh, pay and whatnot. I feel like that stuff is still very much heavily touted, even in the mainstream comics world. I would say, um, but in terms of like, I don't want to say faux pas, but like you know, not cool things to do. Yeah, I guess for sure. um, it, it depends, and people do tend to stick around. But that's also because like. At the end of the day, they're really they're an audience of one worst case scenario. So they're going to still be making work mm-hmm. and they're still going to be around whether or not they get accepted in these shows or whatever. I think that that onus is then on the organizers and being like, OK, well, should we allow X, Y and Z to table here because of something that we heard through the grapevine? Do we like, you know, what would be the the formal process of of addressing those issues and I guess maybe that's something where the community has to come in. I mean, I know like with TCAF, for example, um, there's a lot of artists not tabling this year because of the issues with the uh, library um, having, I forget the name of the writer, but she's basically this like anti-trans feminist mm-hmm. um, that did like some sort of like um, speaking engagement there. And uh, there was a, a pretty big um you know, reaction from the local um, literary and comics community being like, no, this is not cool. If you do not address this, we're not going to be tabling at this at this show and we will not we will no longer support this event if it's continuing to be held here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know, because at the end of the you day, are- there's there's always going to be artists that want to table regardless of what's going on. Right. right. Yeah. The organizer question is also an interesting one because it kind of ties back to the issues with Amazon showing up at comics events a year or two ago and trying yeah. to be like a sponsor on a given event, whether that be SPX or TCAF. 
Yeah. And the general backlash of folks trying to hold them accountable, but ultimately like the question of who is organizing a lot of these events is kind of a mystery in some regards. Yeah. And I, I think also it, it comes down to the industry by and large trying to support itself in sort of a, a climate where uh, money is, is not really something you come across too often, unfortunately. Um, because I feel like it, with the music community, it's it's like comics. It's assumed you're not going to make money, right? Like you don't you don't start a grindcore band because you want to make a quick buck. It's the, the most same profitable w- tour I ever went on was like a hundred dollars, and it went towards repairing the tire of the van. Oh, right? Fuck. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so with you know comic artists, especially small press and zine makers, they're not exactly going to shows and tabling because they they see money sign or they they see dollar signs. It's because they really, really enjoy the medium. They enjoy the community. They enjoy participating in this process. Um, But I feel like there's that level in the comics industry where you could potentially support yourself or at least make enough where you can call this a living, you know? And so as a result, when you have things like Amazon coming across and being like, hey, Here's this like you know, big small press show, and I know we know that you need money. We would like to buy into this show and sponsor it, but then you also have to accept all this baggage that comes with that. And so, like, do like, what do you do? Do you just say no? We'll just continue to not be able to support the show long term, or do you have to like be more proactive about finding other sources of, of income streams. Like how, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I mean, SPX eventually, um, eventually they followed what the, the majority of the, uh, the community was saying and saying, you know, we don't want Amazon here. And as a result, they're no longer part of it. So I don't know, like it's, it's a, it's a larger conversation that I think too many people are afraid or not willing to have. I think that's the bigger problem in terms of like, well, what what do we do about these issues like how how can we make something uh, how can we keep an industry that's already broken as is afloat without all these other external forces getting involved that could potentially um corrupt whatever it is that we're trying to do or at least the overall spirit of what it is that we're trying to do definitely I just want to clarify, I didn't say anything earlier because I thought Ben was saying something completely different that I really did not agree with. And I was like, uh. <laughs> Wait, what did you think I was saying? I thought, weirdly, that you were saying that, like, the comics community is, like, too forgiving of people who have done things that are bad. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> no, I was, I was saying that, like, I do think that in some regards the comics community could hold people accountable more. Um, especially like when we hear about things for sure to be like instead of being like oh I heard that X did did Y to maybe say something about it and that's something that I did enjoy about being in a DIY band touring in the scene particular that I, the particular scene that I was for sure I'm just a moron and for some reason I thought you were saying it in like a critical way oh and no, I was no. like uh. <laughs> no I was I was comparing this um the punk scene to the comic scene kind of for sure see this is why you're the smartest one here no I don't think so I don't think so. I mean like no I'm not the smartest one here I just I just read the most shithead leftist bullshit so you're saying you're a Trotskyist I'm saying I'm a motherfucking tanky <laughs>
Um, yeah, I don't know. So, Yewan, what like what do you think? I mean, going back into this discuss this overall discussion that we got into about accountability, because I think that is an interesting point that we they I feel like not many people want to talk about in comics. Yeah, I feel like it's something that's I think this goes back to what I said earlier of like a lot of comics artists feel very, very anxious and like probably don't like I totally understand if like I feel if I like found out about something, I'd also feel very nervous and like I don't know how to talk about this. But I think honestly, as like our political climate in general has gotten so much worse and worse, it does mean that people are more vocal about these things that are happening. Like I personally on Twitter, I saw like so much support for um, SPX wanting like people like basically demanding that like SPX stop. like, like, having support from Amazon or else, like, people wouldn't go. Like, I thought that was... Like, I saw, like, an astounding amount of people that were talking about that. Same with the one at TCAF. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't want to name names, but there was a artist a couple years ago that was outed as um, an abuser in the Chicago comic scene. And I feel like it was pretty quickly outed and taken care of very quickly and like I haven't heard anything from this artist since then you know Mm, so it's it's, I understand why it's difficult for people but I think things are getting better um I did not grow up in the grindcore scene I grew up in the shitty like screamo pop scene the warped tour scene the warped tour scene where there is literally no accountability whatsoever um Mm -hmm. do you guys remember when there was a musician on warped tour who was uh outed for like sexually assaulting uh underage girls and the guy that like owns warped tour his decision was to not kick him off the tour but ban anyone from under 18 from going (laughs) oh Oh, yeah the warped tour yeah like insane like yeah that's crazy yeah Dope shit, man. More room for real big fish fans. Shit. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I mean, I the same could be said with you know the metal scene and and in uh, in to a certain degree the the grindcore scene too. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of shit. No, nowhere nowhere is perfect, and but like I do think that the comic scene has made great like, and again I am newer to it, so maybe my only comparison point isn't having been in it for as long but i do think that it's it's made some really interesting strides and like it is interesting to see that comics is having the same discussion discussions of about like corporate sponsorship and the sorts of benefactors like amazon as the hardcore and punk scene was having a few years ago um and i'm sure that those have always been happening in like different ways but it is yeah. it's it's interesting to like see it so parallelized across those two lines yeah yeah uh, you know i think um i don't know i mean i can only speak on behalf of the scene here because that's the only one i really know about right is um the chicago comic scene for the most part is pretty good about addressing stuff like that from what i can tell outside of like some squibbles or things that you kind of look at and you're like mm, I don't, you know i don't know about that but <laughs> It's not like you assaulted an underage girl, you know, it's like that you could have done worse, I guess. So this is fine. You, a little bit of kanji on your weird comic is fine compared to, you know, <laughs> the other shit. So you kind of have to pick your battles, I guess. Cam, what about you? What's uh, what's the big problems out there in, in um, Louisville? None uh, that there's no cartoonists. Um, 
pretty much. No, I is mean ben, it's Ben Sears being problematic again. <laughs> uh, no, it's pretty much. There's just not really a lot going on. Um, I'm trying to even think. Like we just really have no scene. There's the uh, Louisville Cartoonist Society, and they're a joke. Um, like there's no real cartoonist in the Louisville Cartoonist Society. So, um, <laughs> not to say they're not real cartoonists, but I mean, like I've never seen any of them at shows outside of Louisville. You know, they're not, they don't want it. So, um, but they don't want the heat. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I do think that I know that there are people in comics that have done scummy things that I don't know. I feel like comics is a small, big world. Like it's, it's big in the sense of it's like global, but I feel like it's pretty easy to get quote unquote, like canceled if you're a fucked up person in comics. So props to that. It's not like, I guess, you know, I was actually like in the punk scene, you know, I used to book shows. Uh, when I was in high school, like a lot, pretty much like twice a week. So I feel like the move back then, and it could have changed because um, I'm so detached from it now. But the move back then was, is if you were a scummy dude or you whatever, you just moved to another town. And then, if, sure. but now, like, I feel like you can't really do that anymore, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, the internet has kind of made that obsolete. In a lot yeah. Of ways. Um, so, you know, but you know, that's really all I can really say. I don't, there's not enough going on here, but I do feel like, um, justice is swift with comics, with the internet and Twitter and so forth. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it, when it comes to like issues with accountability, it's usually the result of some larger business or institution willing to look the other way. Yeah. 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 Rather than the community looking the other way. Um, yeah. I don't I, know. No, what, I, what, what I do you agree think, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Please yeah. air your grievances. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I also agree. I think, again, it does kind of just reflect our current political climate that like it has become more of a like a collective like us as the comics artists against the like bigger corporations and stuff. There was that thing. Um, I think it started last year, but it's still continuing. It was that court case against those, was it seven or eight artists represented by a... Um, oh, oh yeah, the yeah, Cody Pickrod case. Yeah. Also, they're SPX related. Yeah, because I think SPX um, had a fund going for them. Right. And I don't know. Yeah. I think that also just like showed how much of like the comics community was like willing to like come together and help out and donate money and stuff against someone who was clearly in the wrong. And weirdly, like I think he had like a fucking like court case and like a lawyer and stuff with him right yeah it's yeah like, he's so the one who started it it went to civil court and it is in civil court in the state of new york still yeah. um it the charges have been dropped against eight or i think eight or nine of those folks who are live out of state but everyone in the state of new york because he happens to live in the state of new york he's brought civil charges against them so the court case is still ongoing i think mm. it is lesser than it used to be but I mean, what does he hope to gain from it, that? It, it, defamation he's, he's suit. For, yeah, he's suing for financial damages. Yeah. Here's here's your show and table feedback, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, what is your end game here? Yeah. I think that's like the whole reasoning that like so many people were like upset and like, ob you know, obviously there's a lot of reasons to be upset, but it was just like, what, like, again, like, what are you trying to gain from this? Like, right. what do you want? Yeah. Other than just being petty and, and I guess willing being to confront it, proven, quote unquote, innocent in the court yeah. of law, I, I guess, you know, but I, I don't know. It's it's a weird yeah, situation. It's, it's wild. And, and when I say weird situation, I just mean unnecessary as fuck. Just like, you know, obviously 
I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I hope all of them get off. Yeah, straight up. I mean, and I hope I don't. I don't. I haven't seen anything recently. But asking for new new donations, but I'm hoping that you know they're not having to dip into their personal funds. I'm sure they are, but you know I'm hoping that they got enough out of the uh, actual donations that they're not in any kind of financial hardship over this because that would be some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we should probably end it on a high note because. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, for both of you getting involved in the comic, what would you say is something that you walked away with that you saw as being a major positive that made you stick around or makes you, I guess, makes you motivated enough to stick around and keep doing this? Again, like, I feel like we say it all the time and it's really cheesy, but it really is just like the people that I've met by doing comics, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, I've made so many friends, like, we always like to joke around and clown in the gutter gang group chat but i feel like every so often we are like i love you man like i really love you yeah i don't know it's it's been really really great um from a business standpoint just from doing fairs i feel like i have like i have gotten a lot of emails and commissions from people just being like hey like i saw your comics at quimby's or like i met you at uh like zine fest or something so like i don't know both I guess emotionally and like in terms of business, it's just been a great, a great big part of my life now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're definitely the most successful out of our ragtag group. I would argue uh, that Dylan is. I think it's Dylan. Dylan? Yeah. Dylan's working on stuff like 24 seven. I feel like, like he's always like pumping out commissions and works and even if when he, when he isn't he's always just like posting stuff and so is Blake like Blake I feel like makes like more artwork than any of us probably yeah, yeah he's the yeah. busiest one but I, I, in terms of like quote unquote real world like the success in sort of the vague monetary sense I think that's true yeah you got that Red Bull money A1 yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but if you want to look at things from a fine art perspective, um, when I was interning for a gallery once, uh, I had to help clean up a gallery, and then my boss yelled at me because I stepped on a plastic bag because apparently that fucking plastic bag sitting on the floor was an art piece. Oh my god! A lot of money, so you know that's the kind of like real world experience that I've got coming for me. You you just eat the banana taped to the wall. <laughs> Man, that stuff makes me so fucking mad. It is. Yeah, it's infuriating. <laughs> it's infuriating. It's like, man, oh, if only I could man. sell something for 12, a 10% of that. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ben? What's making you to keep doing this stupid thing that we do? I am also going to start with like the friends that we've made along the way. Yeah. Because they're all great. Um, and also because I do feel like until I had found comics, I didn't have like a art an art outlet that felt as DIY and connected to folks as through playing in bands. And I feel like that that was kind of an easy and smooth transition in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Mm. Um, and also the fact that like each time that we do a show, I find someone's work that like blows my mind so much. Yeah. And I want to keep being able to discover that and I never want to spin my wheels out and just become one of those people who is constantly like it was better six years ago 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or better 16 years ago, or better 60 years ago, or like any of the nostalgia the nostalgia poisoned minds yeah yeah cool well uh cam do you have anything else to add before we wrap this up i do not um we will be back next time with i think pete is gonna be our next guest um and uh we're i think we're all kind of waiting on applications from shows to see what we're doing this year i know that you and i will both be at tcaf jb um So uh, I've never been to Canada yeah. before, so looking forward to that. And hopefully by next time, we'll have some more news as far as upcoming shows. Are you guys doing any shows that you know of in 2020? Yay, one and Ben? So far, no. I feel like the first half of the year is kind of a dead zone. But we're, yeah. we're kind of we're thinking about going up to TCAF just to have fun. Like not the Hell table. Because yeah. we tabled last year what and we don't want to break the, the TCAF law. One of my One of my resolutions was to visit 25 countries for 25 years of life. Okay. So going to Canada <laughs> would count as one of them because I'm also doing greatest hits countries. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know, like places I've really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah Canada no, is so fucking cool. Yeah, Canada gonna have a good time. If you if you need any tips, let us know. Yeah, we'll cool. keep it in the group chat. But yeah, I've never been, so um, yeah, it should be pretty fun though. I'm looking forward to it. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a couple shows. I feel like uh, the first half of the year, it's mostly uh, pop culture, comic con-ish type shows for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll talk more about that when those dates approach. Right. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thank you so much yeah, for joining for us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We should do it you again soon. Ben, so thank much. you. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate you having on, uh, coming on the show and talking shop. And we, en- uh, we enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, thank you guys. I love to talk about myself. So anytime yeah. you want me on again, I'll come on. <laughs> Maybe another Patreon episode where I watch Borat for the first time. Oh my god! Oh yeah, watch <laughs> along. We could do live commentary. <laughs> yeah, watch along. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. I want to be y'all's Virgil, Texas. <laughs> uh, you can definitely be Virgil. That's fine. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, we all we all want to be Felix, but you know. Yeah, yeah, we don't have enough b- big of a brain to be Felix, or big enough of a dick to be Felix. Yewan's probably Felix. I just looked up what you guys are talking about. Now I'm really mad. So. <laughs> At least it's not come down. And say goodbye. Night-night. Night-night.